Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are nearly at the end of the term. Uh, some of you are finishing up, I don't know, uni or school or whatever it is that you do. And so um, I used to actually ask my kids this question at the end of every day. And it was a rookie error. And I would ask them this question, hey guys, what'd you learn today? And every day they say the same thing. They say, nothing, right? Like nothing. And we send them to a private school. And I'm like, we're paying for these kids to go to school. And I say, what'd you learn today? They're like, nothing, dad. And, and so like they would say this all week, it's like Monday and Tuesday. I pick them up a couple of days a week and they would always say the same thing, nothing. I thought, you know what? I understand. It's difficult sometimes to pinpoint the moment of growth. This is hard for them. I know what I'll do. I'll ask them at the end of the term if they learned anything this term. So it's getting towards the end of the term. And I say to my kids, I say, hey guys, how'd you go this term? What, what did you learn? They're like, nothing. And I'm like, nothing all term, right? So we're sending these kids to school and they're not learning anything, but somehow they are getting smarter, thank God. And, and, and so they are growing and they are developing, right? How important is it for you to keep growing and developing? You know, I said this to my kids. I, I grabbed one of my, my, my boys and I said to him, not that he was, you know, a bad student or anything, just because we were talking about it. And I said, hey, I said, if you want more opportunities in life, then you need to really pay attention to what your teachers are saying. Because if you don't learn, you know, and you don't grow, it's just going to limit your opportunities in future. And I told him that I really don't even care what he does. Uh, I care more about his character than the kind of job that he gets. But, but we talked about that. And I said, if you want more opportunities, you're going to have to grow. Can I tell you it works exactly the same way in life in general? That, that if you want more opportunities, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more opportunities you have because you see more than you ever did before. And I want to ask you a question tonight. How is your faith journey going? How's your faith journey going? I know it's a little bit, you know, cliche to say um, life's a journey, but it is. It actually is a journey. And your faith is a journey. And you start somewhere, and I hope that you don't finish around the same spot that you started. Hopefully between now and, and, and whenever you leave planet Earth, you have grown significantly in that time and you moved on from just simple things to understanding great and even deeper things. I remember when I first went back to church, you know, it's 2002 and I'm, I'm back in church and, and trying to learn and I've got lots of questions. And to be honest, I, I had questions that weren't really being answered and nobody was really answering them. And I thought this is going to stunt my growth. And, and, and I, I, you know, I have so many things that I want to know, but I just wasn't getting the answers. And I can tell you this, that I thought that I was going to get stuck there. But sometime between 2002 and 2019, I grew a little bit, thank God. And, 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 I, and I grew some. I, I learned some things. I know some things now that I didn't know when I first came back to church. And it's because we are on a journey of growth and we want to move on from where we are to other things that God may have for us. And I want to preach a message to you guys tonight called Access Granted. Access Granted. So I'm going to preach out of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. And in this book, uh, you need to understand maybe something culturally that will help you is that 
the Jewish people that had realized that Jesus was in fact the Messiah and had died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins had a little bit of trouble adjusting to the new covenant. And they struggled a little bit with the fact that they thought that there should be some works involved. And, and, and you know, then we were trying to bring in these people that had always previously been excluded. We called them Gentiles. And, and the Gentiles were people that were not Jewish. And so they're trying to bring in the Gentiles into the new covenant. They're trying to do life. And it's kind of pushing all of these things together. And, and so... They were struggling with how these things should work and, and, and what these new Gentile people should do. So Paul writes this letter to the church, to the Romans, right? And he writes this letter that we, that we call Romans. And in this letter, he communicates a really important point, which is that the Jewish people and the Gentile people, even though the Jewish people had this whole history and culture and, and, and they were socially different and culturally different to the Gentiles, he said this thing that was very important through this letter, which is, guys, we are all the same. And I think that's so important for you to understand. And, and we are all the same, even though that some of us would come from a different cultural background, even though socially we might be different. In so many ways, we are the same. This is the gospel message. This is why I love the gospel message so much. It's the great leveler of the human race. And anybody that thought that they were better than another person, the gospel message teaches us this very important point, which is that we all need the help of Jesus, okay? So I want to preach to you out of Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access. And this also comes by faith. So we have been justified by faith. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This passage speaks about having faith. And... Maybe uh, you're a person that doesn't come to church very often and you don't know much about God and you would identify yourself as a person who in fact does not have much faith, but everyone has it. We just put it in different things. Like earlier this year, my wife, my, my family, you know, we took a trip over to Canada and we were so excited about getting on the plane because we had faith that we would actually arrive in the country that we were destined for and not crash along the way. If we did not have faith for that, we would not have got on that plane. We were making plans. We were getting excited. We were thinking about it. We'd actually booked accommodation for the future when we would actually arrive in that country because we believed that the plane would take off in Melbourne and arrive in Canada and we would still be alive when that happens. So we made plans for our future. Why? We had faith that they would get us there. My father-in-law, his name is Norman. Norm doesn't fly. Norm doesn't fly because Norm doesn't have faith in airplanes. He actually would rather put his faith in a boat that would take him from one country to another. He hates airplanes. He would avoid them any way that he can because he just thinks that those things are likely to crash. Mind you, Norm is the same person that gets into his car every day and believes that when he applies his brakes 
at the first set of traffic lights that they're going to stop. See, everyone has faith and some of us put it in airplanes and some of us put it in our cars and our brakes and some of us put our faith in Jesus. And if you're new, I'm telling you right now, you would love this book called Romans because in this book, it communicates something that is so important that we understand tonight is that we all have one thing in common and the thing that we have in common is not something that we love to celebrate or talk about or cheer about, right? The thing that we all have in common is sin. I had no woohoos and one mmm. Where were you on that one, people? See, we don't celebrate that because it's not really worth celebrating. And if you're new to church and you have no idea what sin is, well, sin is not just some moral failure, some mistake that you made. Actually, if you look at it from a biblical sense, it means to live out of alignment with the life that God has planned for you. And if you were going to be honest tonight, you would say that you know there are times in your life that you are not living out exactly as God has purposed you to live. Now, when you make a small mistake, a margin of error, that error, the Bible refers to that as sin. And you know, you can try as much as you want. Seriously, go as hard as you like at this. People tried for years to live the perfect life. They had lots of rules and regulations to be as close to perfection as they can. And you just try as hard as you want. I don't know if this is how it actually looks like when you try hard at anything, but like if you try as hard as you want, you will not be perfect. You can change your behavior. You're not going to nail it. You can watch what comes out of your mouth. You're not going to nail it. You can watch what your eyes look at. You're not going to nail it. I, I, I think you're getting the point is that it is impossible for you to be perfect no matter how much you try. And there's a very important thing that needs to be attached to this understanding of sin, which is that it pays you something. Did you know that? That sin actually pays you something? In fact, the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death. That is the penalty for sin. And that's a penalty that every single one of us in this room would be familiar with because we've seen the curse that came with breaking God's law be in effect in our culture and our society. I mean, you've just been born into this world and you understand that these things are in effect right now. The Bible is a collection of 66 books that communicate this one overarching idea, which is that all of us have made mistakes. In fact, the Bible says it this way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the scriptures say. And another way of putting that is that every single person has made a mistake, which means every single person has to be concerned with this idea of the penalty of sin, which is death, which is why the scriptures across 66 books written by men yet authored by God communicate one idea which is that we all need Jesus every single person in this room we all need Jesus which is why Easter is so important to us because at Easter we remember what Jesus did for us. And in fact, the word that the Scriptures use to help us understand this in the passage we read today is called the word justified. It said, since we have been justified by faith, we are justified. If you don't know what that word means, 
Let me help you to understand it. The word justified, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we become justified, it means that Jesus took the penalty for all of our sin by dying on the cross. Now, when he did that, when he died, he paid the penalty, which is what was going to be paid to you. He paid the penalty for you on the cross, taking on him the sin of the world. Try to think about it like this. You've made mistakes in your life. Even though we now live in the future, past that moment, it's like this. And this happens by faith. This is why it's by faith. When you confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that He died on the cross for your sins, this is what happens by faith. All of your sin is taken off of you and it gets nailed to the cross and Jesus pays the penalty for it in that moment. That's exciting. That's good news. But it gets even better. Because to communicate to you simply that all of your sins have been paid for, that's only half of what justification means. The word justification, it doesn't just mean He paid the penalty for your sin, but you remember that Jesus lived a life while He was here on earth? And the life that He lived was a perfect life. And so he takes the perfect life that he had and he says, I took all of your sin, but now I'm going to place on you the perfect life that I lived. Let me tell you why this is really important. For anybody that's here tonight that has struggled profoundly with sin and shame and guilt and addiction and issues that you thought were out of control and things that you thought pushed you out of the presence of God, you should know that you have every right if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus to come boldly into His throne of grace and expect to find that very thing there, grace and mercy in the time that you need it most because... When God looks down on you from heaven and sees you praying, I don't know if He actually does that like this, but anyway, for this illustration, let's stick with it. When He looks down on you, what He does not see is all of the sin and the shame and the guilt. Remember, that's what Jesus died on the cross for. So that's been done. What He sees when He looks down on you is the perfection of His Son. So for anybody that felt too guilty to come into church or the presence of God, if you know Jesus, you have every right to come into His presence and to stand before Him and even to begin to pray and make requests because I know how this works. Because when people struggle with things in their personal life, the last thing they want to do is to get into the presence of God because they come face to face with their guilt and their sin and their shame. That's been dealt with. That's been done. Now you are here in the presence of God and have every right to be there because when He looks at you, He simply sees the perfect life of His Son and not the sinful one that you've been living in. This is good news. Oh, this is why we call it the gospel. Because that is good news. That is the best news you have ever heard on planet Earth. I love the gospel message. You know, before 2002, you know, when I, I, I was far and distant from God and I didn't really want to, I didn't even really want to be in church, to be honest. Even when I first started going back, I kept coming in, but I didn't really even want to be there. But I was doing it. And I thought the church was a place for good people. And the good people were the ones whose lives were pretty much perfect. 
They were the married couple that have never even fought in their life. They just love each other and they blissfully, they never argue and they, they are always, they pray every day. They're just so perfect and holy. That, that's, that's who church is for. Church is for the young person that's never struggled with their thought life. That's who church is for. Church is for the good people. The, you know, the really good ones that don't sin and, and don't make mistakes and, and, and get everything right. And if you understand what I'm saying, those people basically don't exist. But back then I thought they did. And I didn't really know how to identify them. But I kept seeing these people carry in these big old Bibles into church. And I'm like, there's one. Well, I got to pick them out somehow. I don't know how to pick them out, but like, and, and, and the bigger the Bible, the more holy you are, right? So especially if it looks like it's actually been read. And, and, and so I'd see people carrying in Bibles. And I'm like, yep, there's one, there's another. And I tell you something, I looked at these good people going into church, but I never included myself as one of those people because I always saw myself as someone that understood the struggles that I had personally gone through and I never included myself with them. And then I came to the revelation that every single person, whether they looked good on the surface or not, is in desperate need of a Savior called Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. I've learned over time that the people that look like they've got it all together are often ones that do not have it all together. And so every single person, no matter how good they look, every single person needs Jesus Christ. Do you want to hear something really crazy tonight? Your entire eternal destination is completely decided upon how you think about what I just told you. In the last however many minutes, your entire eternal destination, I'm not talking like for the next 10 years, I'm talking for the next billion, billion, billion years, eternity is completely decided upon how you think about what I just told you. See, how you think about Jesus is incredibly important. And the word that we use to describe people who think right about Jesus is we use this word called faith. We put our faith in Him. And if you are a person that has put your faith in, in Jesus, meaning to say that Jesus is God. That's what you believe. This is how you think about Him. You think that Jesus is God. And not only do you think that and, and believe that that's true, but you have made the life-altering decision of actually following Him. So you are living out of the convictions that you hold. The word that we would use for that in church is repentance. And repentance is a word that simply means this. You were headed one way in life. You realized and had revelation that Jesus is God and decided to change the direction of your life. And now you are following after Jesus. You're not perfect. You're a work in progress. You know you're going to make mistakes. You're not there yet, but you're still following after Him. If you turn and you repent and you begin to walk after Jesus, then you are a person that we would consider has faith. That's why you made that decision. And when you have faith, you get something in exchange for faith. 
And the thing that you get in exchange for faith is grace. That's what you exchange. You believe in Jesus. You think that Jesus is God and put your life in His hands. And in return, you get grace for doing that. And grace is the most beautiful word that you've ever heard. We don't call it earned because you couldn't work your way into this thing that God wants to give to you. You know, you you can't work your way into it. If it was works, we probably would have called it that. And Jesus would say that you can work really hard and get there. People have tried that for many years and it just doesn't work. That's why we simply call it grace. How did you get it? You got it by grace. You got it by how you think about Jesus. And Jesus said this to someone. He had a conversation with someone called Peter once. And, and Peter was, um, they were walking along and, and Jesus says to him, so who do you say I am? That is a question that will reveal what you think about Jesus. Who do you say he is? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Holy One of Israel. You are the Anointed One. That's what his confession was. And as a result of having said that, Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock. And when he said upon this rock, I don't believe that he was basing the entire future of the church on a person who had already adequately displayed the fact that he is very good at making mistakes. I don't think he was saying the whole church will rest on the shoulders of Peter. I don't think that's what he was saying. The rock, the foundation that that was, was revelation of who Jesus is. In other words, come with me now, Whoever has revelation and thinks that Jesus is God, upon that revelation, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's good, amen? Well, contain your excitement for just a minute because it even gets better than this. Because there's a place beyond that where he says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom, which is authority in the name of Jesus. And you get that by grace. That's what you get in exchange for the faith that you have about Jesus. In John 10 verse 9, Jesus says something that's really important. He says, I am the door. Jesus had seven I am statements. He says, I am the door. That's nice. (laughs) Jesus, you're a door. Who knew? What does that mean? If Jesus is a door... It obviously communicates that He opens up and can take us from one place to another. He is the door through which we enter. So that's, that's nice. Yep. He's a door. Where are we going? Like, if I open the door, where will I end up? Like what is on the other side of the door? If he's the door and I walk through the door, where do I go? If I open the door and I walk through the door and I get justified and and all of this, right? And I step through that door, do I end up in heaven? Well, I sure hope not. And that doesn't even make sense because when people give their lives to Jesus, they don't go to heaven. But I think that some people think, 
that Jesus is real handy for getting to heaven because if, if I have a relationship with him, this comes in real handy around about the time that you die. And when you die, you're like, thank God I put my faith in Jesus. I get to go to heaven. That is awesome, right? Now, if you think that the reason Jesus died on the cross was just to get you from earth to heaven, when you give your life to Jesus, we should just take you out the back and shoot you. Why make you wait? If, if, if Jesus' death on the cross was just to get you there, why should any of you have to wait any longer? You made a decision to follow him. Congratulations. Well, let's just take care of this right now. Unless there was another reason why he died. Don't get me wrong. I'm still saying that if you put your faith in Jesus, you get to heaven. But maybe the doorway is not meant to lead us just to heaven. Maybe if we enter through the door, it leads us into a completely different space, which is not only heaven. What if the thing that Jesus died for was something totally different? You know what? It, it, the scriptures say that all of God's promises and blessings are accessed by faith. We put faith in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And because of that, we get to go to heaven. Yes, at the time when you pass away from planet earth, right? But the scriptures that we read said something really interesting. It said, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The doorway that we enter through takes us into a place where we're standing smack bang in the middle of grace. And if you know what the original language meant when they wrote this phrase, when it says we're standing in grace, it means this, that you are in a perpetual and permanent state of grace while you live on planet earth. You see, it's not just about getting you from here to there. There's something you're supposed to do while you're here and you're standing smack bang in the middle of grace so that you can actually do it. Let me tell you why this is so good for you tonight. Because for anyone that thought, you know what, I don't really want to go to church this week because I know I made a few mistakes and I don't even feel like I should be here. You are standing in grace for that sin. You are in it right now. I'm not trying to you know, give you a license to make your own decision and go out and, and do things that you know are not right. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying, if you're working through this and you know that you don't have it all right, but you're still following Jesus and you're, you're doing it, I'm telling you right now, you are standing in the grace of God. He said, this is grace. We access it by faith and we begin to stand in it. Hey, listen, don't just stop at being saved. Don't stop at being saved. The person that makes a decision to follow Jesus and goes no further is a person with limited options in their future because they have not grown anything since the time they made a decision to follow Jesus. And they thought that the reason 
why Jesus died on the cross was simply to get them from here to there. And it's going to come in real handy when they die. There is something more for you than just that. There is something more. Don't stop at being saved. There's a, there's a life journey attached to the decision to follow Jesus. So you need to know that faith gets grace and grace gets access to everything else. Faith gets grace. Now I'm in, standing in grace, in a perpetual state of grace. And grace from this place gets access to everything else. You know, years ago, I remember I was with my family and we were on a holiday and, you know, in some country town. And I was, so I was with my parents and I had a friend with me. And my parents decided they were going to go back to their accommodation because we went out for dinner. And we decided we were going to hang around a little bit longer. So they went back and apparently they had left an access card that lets us get back into the hotel when we get back. But we didn't know this. So we're standing there a couple of hours later. We get back to our hotel and then we walk up to the front doors and the front doors do not open. And so now we are looking at how we can get in. There's no reception. Where are we going to sleep tonight? You know, and, and we're trying to figure this out. And, and so my friend and I, we did what any two normal, rational human beings were doing. We started looking at the building and walking around it to see if there was another way that we could get in. And then when we walked around the back of the hotel, there we could see our, our bedroom just, you know, on the next story up, but it was high ceiling, so it was pretty high. And, and we looked at it and I had an idea. I thought, I reckon I can climb in there. And, and, and so... I rated myself as a better climber than my friend. So, so my job was to do the climbing. And so I start climbing up the side of this hotel. And this is like the worst ninja warrior you have ever seen, right? There was, there are no, I have no ninja skills. I've discovered this, right? And so I'm climbing up and my friend was meant to be the person that gave me a lift, right? Only he was a terrible lift, right? He couldn't even do that, right? And so he's trying to like push me up and and, and like I'm standing on his face and, and this is, you know, and I'm, I'm pulling out vines that are in my way and trying to get up to the to the balcony on the second floor and you know I actually did I, I climbed up there and when I climbed over the top the window was locked and I still couldn't get in and you know what I did I eventually try as hard as I as I did I was never gonna get in there so I had to start banging on the window for someone on the inside to let me in that's what Jesus did for you because try as hard as you like you will never get in you it's it's not something that you can earn You can't just break into heaven. You don't break into the grace of God. That's not how you get it. You get it because He opens the door for you. Jesus is the door that you walk through and you get it from Him. And you enter into His grace through the door that opens for you when you decide to put your faith in Jesus. You will not be able to make it on your own. Why is that? Because every single person needs the faith to follow Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. And if you have the faith to follow Jesus, then you are standing in the grace for so much more than that. If you have the faith to believe in Jesus, you are standing in the grace of God. You have grace for so much more than that. Do you know that the Scriptures say that the God that we serve calls things that are not even in existence into being? 
he, he speaks to things that are not as though they were. And sometimes we see things that look impossible, impractical, things that we think we could never do. And yet all God needs to do is speak to it and move. And we start to see a shift in areas that we could never shift before. I'm telling you right now, there comes a time in your life where you need to start pressing in for so much more than maybe what you've been believing for. When you need to press in for the things of God and start bringing the grace of God into your life every day. Do you catch that? You want to bring the grace of God into your life every single day because grace works better than you work. And there are so many times where we try to work things on our own. You prayed for stuff, it hasn't come to pass, so it's so easy to immediately default back to, I guess I'm just going to have to do this on my own. What if what God is waiting for is the right timing? And you just got to keep asking, and you just got to keep praying, and you got to keep going back to Him. You need His grace more than you need anything else. I remember... Um, it was just earlier this week. I heard a noise come from my daughter's bedroom. She was obviously upset. And so I went down. And when I walked in, the scene, guys, it was horrific. It was, that was just the state of her bedroom. It's a permanent mess. It's horrible, right? And, and we need the grace of God all over that thing. Anyway, there she is in the middle of the mess and she's lying in the fetal position. You know, she's like, she's, she's crying and she's upset. And I can tell she's, she's really upset, right? So I look at her and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like something terrible has happened. Like, what is, what's going on here? And I said, I said, sweetheart, what, what is, what are you, what's going on? And, and, and like, she's like tears and snot. And I'm like trying to look around. I'm like, did something happen? Has she fallen? She broken something? Like, what's going on? I'm saying, sweetheart, tell me what happened. And and through the snot and the tears, she starts pointing up, and she says, Dad, I couldn't get my dress down, right? Because she's four, and she's short, and because she's short, she can't reach up to the hanger and take the dress off that she wants. We've broken so many hangers this way, right? But this one's made out of wood, so she can't break it. So she's like, Dad, I can't reach it, right? So she's, I mean, these are the horrors of a four-year-old girl, people, right? She is devastated, right? And I look at it, and I see it, and I see her crying on the ground. And of course, I said to her, I said, Sweetheart, why are you crying on the ground about this. And she's like, because I couldn't get it down, right? And I'm like, yeah, but why didn't you just ask me? I am bigger than you. And what you can't move on your own, I can easily move. What you can't do, I can do. So you could just lie there and keep crying about the things that you cannot change. Or you could actually go to the one who's able to change what you can't. Why just lie in a mess 
crying about the things that you know you can't change when you could go to someone that has the strength and the power and the ability to shift what you've not been able to shift. This is grace. This is the grace of God at work in your life. And when you start to pray, when you start to ask, you begin to shift in the heavenlies what you could never move on planet earth. You just need to start speaking it out. You need to start praying it. This is almost like starving in the kitchen. You're surrounded by food, but you're starving because you don't know how to access it. I wonder how many people have resigned themselves to being in the fetal position on the ground, starving and yet not knowing how to access the grace. Here's the crazy part. You are standing smack bang in the middle of grace and yet you don't know how to get at it. Isn't that the crazy part? To get to the end of your life and realizing the whole time you were on planet earth, you were in a state of perpetual grace, but because you didn't know how to ask for what you wanted to see, or perhaps you gave up too early, you didn't see the grace of God at work in your life. You're standing in it. You're in the middle of it right now. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, you are standing in grace. You know what I do every morning? I get up and I pray every morning. And I pray over my day because I know that I need the grace of God in my life. And let me tell you what I do. I I, I begin to pray for my wife. I pray for her. I pray that God will show her things that she doesn't even know yet because I love her and I want to see God do good things in her life. I pray for my family. I want to bring the grace of God not only into my marriage, but I want to bring the grace of God into my kids' lives. So I pray for them every single day day. I say, God, help them to make good decisions. I'm praying. Why am I praying? I'm heaping up prayers because I know that they need the grace of God in their life. I pray for them. If I've ever met with you, I prayed about that meeting before we even showed up together to be in that place. I prayed about it because I didn't want for us to just meet and for me to miss what God wanted to do in your life. So I pray over every meeting. I pray over every situation. I pray over every circumstance that I can. I pray over this church. If you're sick in your body, maybe I didn't know that you were sick, but I promise I prayed for you because every morning I say, God, would you bless the people of this church? I pray, God, that you would usher grace into their life, that Lord, that for those that are sick in their body, that you begin to heal them physically. For those that are struggling mentally with thoughts and and, and, and you know, depression, and all kinds of things, Lord. I pray for them. I pray for people in this church. Why? Because I know that they need the grace just as much as I do. And when you begin to pray, you know what you do? Your prayers communicates your faith to God because you're beginning to speak out what you believe in your heart. And as you begin to do that, it begins to pull the grace of God into your situation. You know what I do when I pray? I, I pray possibilities. I pray possibilities. I preach the same way. I preach possibilities and I pray possibilities because everyone knows what you're able to do on your own. Everyone knows that. But I know who God is. And because I know who God is, I know how much I can pray for. 
I know how much I can ask for. I pray because I want to see God change. When I pray, I ask for the 10 out of 10 solution. I want the miracle. I want the big thing that doesn't look like it's going to shift. I want Him to be able to move what I've never been able to move on my own. Listen, some of you have been praying praying prayers, it's almost like you want to protect His reputation. So you pray at a level that is so simple that even you could answer your own prayers. But we don't want to pray down here at the level that we can answer. Because if you can do it on your own, you probably don't even need to pray about it. What you need to do is to begin to lift your eyes and begin to pray for the impossible things that would require the grace of God to actually be answered. And we start to lift our eyes. If you get what I'm saying tonight, I'm saying bring God into everything. What area of your life would you not want the grace of God on? What what is it that's going on in your world that you say, I don't need His grace for? Bring God into everything. Begin to pray into everything. Get His grace on everything that you can. You know, the Scriptures say, give us this day our daily bread because we're supposed to get manna from heaven daily. We're supposed to get answers and we're supposed to speak to Him and and have fresh bread every day. In fact, the Scripture, let me read it to you. It says this. The Scripture that is very well known. The Lord's Prayer. By the way, did you know that the Lord's Prayer is not what you're supposed to pray. You're not supposed to just say, our Father who art in heaven. You're not supposed to just say that. Did you know that this was a template? Because the disciples, they said, Jesus, how do we pray? And He says, when you pray, do it like this. Our Father in heaven. It's good to know that you have a Father in heaven that loves you so much. It's a template. Hallowed be your name. At the beginning of your prayer, you remember that the God that we worship is the same one that breathes stars into being, that that created the universe that is not only in your present, but is standing in your future. The God of limitless capacity and ability, who's able to do abundantly above more than you can think or imagine or you can hope. This is the God that we serve. It's good to start your prayers by knowing who you're praying to. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Before I pray, I say, God, you know what I want, but I I just want to get your uh, idea on what I should be praying for. And now that I know what you want, I know what to pray for. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when I begin to pray that, there are things that I see on earth that are not in alignment with how things are in heaven. And so now when I say, okay, if it's meant to be on earth as it is in heaven, would I expect to find sickness in heaven? No. Well, I'm going to pray about that today. And I know I've prayed about it every day for the last however many months, but I'm going to pray about it again today because when I look at this, it doesn't look like heaven yet. So I'm going to pray till it does. So I start to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Hey, 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 hey. Don't be so satisfied with old moldy bread that you got last month. You go to God once a month and you are just satisfied with that. That thing might have gone stale by now. You wouldn't eat bread that you found in your cupboard for a month If it was a month old, don't do this with God. Get before Him every day. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have, and as we forgive our debtors. In other words, you know, I'm not going to hold anything against anyone else and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the curse 
of sin that came into the world where when Adam and Eve, when they took the apple, when they bit and the curse came into the world, free us, deliver us from that thing that we see. And you know what? It doesn't take long to look around and start to see the effects of the curse all around planet Earth. Free us from this, God. This is not what we want. We don't want to see this anymore. You know what I pray for? I pray for whatever needs grace. I tell you what I don't pray for. I don't pray. Lord, Lord, should I be kind today? Lord, should I be generous today? God, should we help the poor today? I don't pray that stuff. You know why? Because I know who I am. And because I know who I am, I know what I'm supposed to do. So I don't, I don't pray about that stuff, but it's amazing to me. And maybe when it comes to, I don't know, maybe it's just the, 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 the giving is taken up at church and people are like, God, should I do this, right? And we, and we pray a lot about that. And yet there are so many areas in our life that could be in total disarray and we don't pray over it. What do you need grace in your life for? What would you pull grace into your life for? If you're here today and, and you're married and you know that your marriage is not what it could be, do you pray over your marriage? Do you pray for the grace of God in your marriage? Maybe it's been difficult and things have been really tough and you, you've been working through some issues, but do you pray about that every single day or do you just learn to live with it? It's funny how we pray over stuff that we don't need to pray about, but when it comes to the real important stuff, we seem to find a way to just let it go. Do you pray over your marriage? You know, when, and, and if you've ever prayed... And some of you are going to get married and if you pray this prayer, here's what it doesn't sound like. Lord, fix her because she's got so many problems and she doesn't know what she's doing. You know, the, the, the way that we pray that is to say, God, I want my marriage to be healthy. So Lord, speak to her and change me. I want to be changed. You can pray over your marriage. You can pray over your marriage. You can pray over your business. Do you know that? It's amazing to me that some people actually run a business don't pray for it every day. Do you want the grace of God in that thing or not? If you want the grace of God, begin to pray for it. Lord, I pray that today I get great clients. I, get, I pray that today all those payments that I'm waiting for, I pray that they actually come through. I pray that everyone pays their bills on time when it comes to me. I'm going to begin to pray for my business. You can pray for that stuff. You know what you can pray for? You can pull the grace of God into every season and every circumstance and situation in your life. You can pray the grace of God into your family. You can pull the grace of God into your uh, sickness that you need healing for right now. You can begin to pull the grace of God into it. What is it in your life that you would be happy to not have the grace of God on? And the answer is nothing. We want the grace of God on everything that we do. We need it. We need His grace. I want to finish with this one story. It's a story in the Bible about a guy named Bart. He's blind. They call him Blind Bart. Blind Bartimaeus. And so Blind Bart is sitting on the side of a road and he hears that Jesus is coming to town, but he knows what Jesus is able to do. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I know who you are. I know what you're able to do. If I know what you're able to do, I know what I can ask for. But he's heard about Jesus. So here he is on the side of the road. And he hears that Jesus is in town. And Jesus is close. The crowd is getting thicker. And so he begins to say, Have mercy on me, son of David. And he starts to call out. People can hear that he's calling out. So they're like, shh. Stop asking. Stop asking. Be quiet. 
He doesn't want to talk to you, right? He keeps calling out. Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus hears him and he says, who said that? He says, bring that guy here. Now blind Bartimaeus comes over to Jesus and he's standing in front of Jesus. Bartimaeus is blind. What do you think he wanted? It's not a trick question, people. He's blind. What do you think he wanted? He he wanted to see. So now for the most profound question that you read in the Bible. You know what Jesus says to him? He says, what do you want? This is Jesus that knows everything. And you think that he didn't know why blind Bartimaeus was there? And blind Bartimaeus says to him, I want to see. And he says, may it be done to you according to your faith. May it be done to you. See, Jesus knew what his needs were. Jesus knew what blind Bartimaeus wanted. He just wanted to be asked first. And what if it is that what God wants from you is for you to just ask Him first so that when He answers, He gets the glory? What if what He is waiting for is for you to pull the grace of God into your life by asking for Him to change your circumstances? What are you praying for? What do you need the grace of God on in your life? Don't miss out because you didn't ask. Jesus is saying to you right now, first of all, you're standing smack bang in the middle of grace. You are in a perpetual state of grace. You have every reason tonight to come before God if you've given your life to Jesus and to say, God, I need your help. And you should expect in that moment that He will answer your prayers because when He looks at you, He doesn't see what you did this week. He sees the perfection of His Son. That's why you can be so bold and say, God, I say boldly, help me in my marriage, God. Lord, I say, help me in my addiction, God. Lord, help me with my thought life, God. Lord, I need your grace in every area. I need your grace in my finances. I need your grace in my relationships. I need your grace in my business. I need your grace over everything that I do. And I tell you that what God is waiting for is for you to ask Him. So don't start to pray down here for things that you know you can answer, start to see who He is and say, God, I know what you're able to do. And now tonight I pray for your grace in my life to help this area. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.